I'm Bianca Westwood and welcome to the Integral Chat. This podcast will bring you interviews with a number of athletes, managers and all the big names from the world of sport. We talk about the lives and careers of our guests and the issues that matter to Integral Sports Management, an agency founded by Ray Winston and Gary Pettit to nurture our sporting talent and safeguard the future for our clients as we strive to promote our core values of integrity, trust, honesty and respect. We're asking the right questions to help bring about positive change and give you some answers. On the Integral Chat this week, Lloyd Kelly. Let's talk about the the first game of the season against West Brom. You would have loved to get off to a, a winning start, but how do you assess the way it went and what did it tell you about the team? It was a bit of a ding-dong, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, we knew going into the game it was going to be uh, a tough one. Uh, obviously, having them change managerial roles as well and obviously getting the, the manager from Brentford last season, we knew they were going to kind of adapt to his playing style, which was more long ball and uh, it was going to be a, t- a tough battle. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it showed good character in our team that obviously we went ahead, they came back, um, but we showed good resilience in the second half when you could say the pressure was on us a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, obviously, conceding late on was a bit of a bit of a blow for us, but at the same time, you can take positives and obviously the negatives during the game we, we can work on well we have been working on the past week obviously you've got a new manager so you're learning new things all the time from him it does seem to be a good fit in my opinion he's young he's progressive and he seems to probably play um a a way of football that suits Bournemouth yeah I think so obviously over the years people have known Bournemouth for playing like a a nice style of football a passing team um, with a lot of intensity and I think as you said it kind of fits the gaffer's playing style as well um, obviously since he came in he's changed a few things um, that we've had to adapt to and I think we've done that well obviously there's still still a lot of things to work on but I know that we'll just be getting better and better as the season progresses you know what to expect from him you want that high intensity you want the kind of slick passing football but at the same time it is a lot about the mental side as well that character that I said before he kind of puts that on us to kind of bring that out during the game and stick with the game plan so do you think in a way he'll sort of toughen you up a little bit yeah you could say that um especially the mental side of the game and um over the past pre-season and the start of the season there's been a lot of work um to do with the mental side of the game and um, kind of a lot of out of possession stuff, seeing where the opposition is and rather than where our own team players are, because we know when a ball gets into a certain area, we know where our team players are. It's more watching what the opposition do. Mentally, was it tough that you, you didn't manage to go back up the first time of asking? Yeah, I think that took a took a toll on everyone I think Um, obviously we got close but not close enough Um, obviously that first season we wanted to go straight back up and that was everyone's 
uh, mindset from the start of the season. Um, but saying that this season, I think everyone's kind of doesn't want to kind of go through that again this season. We want to push for automatic promotion um, as much as we can. Do you think Scott Parker is the man who will be able to take you to that next level? Because it's so tough coming from the championship up, especially some of the teams that are down there in the championship now. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for all of us. And I think all the boys can say that um, he fits us He fits us perfectly with the players that we got. And of course, you never know new players coming in as well. Um, so I think it's definitely a perfect fit. And he's given you the armband as well, which is nice for, for the time being anyway. How proud are you that you've been able to do that at such a young age to lead Bournemouth out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good for me. As you said, for the time being that I have had the armband and obviously Steve Cook's been out injured with him being kind of the club captain. Um, it, it is a good feeling. Um, obviously, I see myself as a leader um, and obviously this season I've kind of stepped into that role and, and enjoyed having that armband. Um, I think it does put a, a, maybe a bit of a bigger expectation on you, but at the same time, I feel like I've stood up to that. Mm. Does it come naturally to you to, to lead your your teammates on the pitch? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't feel out of my comfort zone at all. Um, it's something that I've been working on the past couple of seasons, being more vocal um, and leading by example. So it's definitely something that's, that's come natural. I mean, 22 years old, to, to have such a voice and the, the confidence really to, to do what you're doing at such a young age, it's, it's unbelievable. How much of your character, your strength of character, do you think comes from your background? Yeah, definitely. I think that plays a massive part. Um, I said this before in other interviews that my past is something that will stay with me forever. Um, and uh, I wouldn't change anything for it. And that mental aspect is, you could say, is um, being made more resilient over the years of growing up. Um, I'd say that definitely could play a part in the mental toughness that I have at the moment. When you, I mean, for viewers who don't know about your background um it's an unbelievable story really you were taken away from your mum with your sister and brother yeah. um, at seven years old and spent 11 years in the foster system that's really hard for anyone to to understand unless you've been there what that experience is like especially for such a young child and it affects i guess everybody in different ways it perhaps affected your siblings differently to to how um, it affected you and it's credit to each other that you all came through and fortunately you were able to stay together. But what was it like and how much did it sort of shape your, your entire existence? Um, yeah, I think firstly it was, it was a blessing really that all three of us managed to stay together through the years that we were in the care system. Um, I know many stories where not like siblings um, aren't able to stay together and they get split up and things like that. Um, so it was a real blessing that all of us could stay together during that journey. And it's made us, us three kind of hard as a rock, really. Um, all of us can depend on each other. Um, and kind of that process is definitely kind of made 
all of us a lot more uh, resilient to the outside world. I think you've got to grow up a lot quicker in a sense. Um, you're a lot more dependent on yourself, although you're still at a young age um, and you could say people are looking after you, but bluntness uh, it sounds is not the same really. No. Um, um, so it definitely made all three of us grow up quicker um, and mature at a, at a younger age. But as I said, I, I wouldn't change anything. You've succeeded despite um, your background. And although most people would think, you know, what, what a terrible place to have to come from, you've really taken that and, and not let it affect you. But you must have had some good experiences being in, in the system, especially with some of the families maybe that you stayed with. Yeah, of course. Um, I still keep in contact with um, my most recent um, carer and her family. Um, obviously, I moved out when I was I was 18. That's the legal age of being more moving out and being more dependent on yourself. Um, so I still keep in contact with them. I see them as my family now. Um, so for me, nothing, nothing's really changed. Um, as I say, I still keep in contact. They come to games when they can. Obviously, they live their own lives as well. Um, so it is nice to keep in contact with the people you kind of raised you and shaped you yeah definitely they must be so proud of you as well of see yeah. how far you've come yeah definitely just looking at the statistics um 65,000 children live with almost 55,000 foster families so it's so important to shine a light on the foster care system because there are good and bad stories that come out of it but I think most people or a lot of people would think twice about fostering because they would think it's too much work or the, the the kids are going to be too troubled it'll be too hard but here you are and you've also found it really important to, to raise awareness at how how people should really think about it it's such a, a wonderful thing to do to help children in need yeah um most recently i've uh, joined the the campaign for bristol city council for their foster care fortnight um, to just, as you said, raise awareness for people who are kind of contemplating whether to become foster carers and you never know what can happen by you being a foster carer. You can change someone's life drastically. Um, so I think if you're in two minds of whether being a foster carer or not, I think just take that step. Um, I think most people who have become carers have, have enjoyed it. Um, being a part of someone's life and and shaping them to be who they are today is is something special. You obviously had some some tough moments growing up. It must have been um, without your, your parents there to support you. But I guess luckily, really, you had the football family around you from a very young age, right through to when you went to Bristol City as well. How many mentors did you have? Was it just the one or was it like kind of like a, a collective thing at, your, at the football clubs that you played for? Yeah, I think it was a, it was a collective thing, really. Um, obviously, you have um, kind of the people who work at the clubs um, and obviously my family as well. Um, so while I was going through that, those stages and things like that, I still have my family around, like my uncles and, and things like that, who, who I could talk to. Um, 
but at the same time, I um, crossed paths with Cyril Regis before he sadly passed away. And I worked with him since I was eight, uh, 16. So he was my agent when I was 16. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he was a massive part of kind of my development. And um, he was someone who I could talk to near enough every day about football things, life. Like He had so much kind of knowledge and experience of the world. Um, as I said, in football, outside football. Um, and he was someone who I kind of seen as like a father figure, if you could say. Um, and obviously it was it was sad, really sad to see him, him pass away. But I still take some of the, the, the discussions that we had till today. Mm. That's why it's so important to mentor young people, um, because it does. It stays with you forever when you have a good teacher or you know, a good coach or whoever it might be. You never forget those people, all the words that they say to you. So with that in mind, is that something that you will look to do and and look to give back and pay it forward? Yeah, I think so. Um, Since obviously me being in the professional world, I've I've sat down with many young people, whether it's people from my school or gone back to my secondary school and talked to a few people here and there. Um, so I think it is definitely worth kind of sharing the knowledge that you've kind of had, although I'm still at a young age, yeah. I can I can always give something back to the people who are who are younger than me and coming through and first starting their journey into into football. So what advice would you give to young people, especially those in the system? <laughs> probably see you and, and look up to what you've achieved or maybe not everybody's but get to play in the Premier League eventually but what, what do you say to them or what, what advice would you give to those young people? For people who are in the care system and kind of you could say in a in a down kind of phase in their life I always feel like there's always someone that you can rely on and trust and it's just finding that person and be willing to kind of put yourself out of your comfort zone and be a bit vulnerable and put your trust in someone that they are there for you and they care really care for you and want you to succeed. Because um, especially on in in the in the early days of my kind of foster care years, I it was hard for me to kind of trust people and be vulnerable and kind of put myself forward to different things. But then I just kind of changed my mindset and that's when you could say my journey and my my path really kicked off and I started finding things that I was passionate about and wanted to get into and of course football was one of them um but at the same time my social life and and things like that really really changed and I'd say definitely find that person you who you can trust and there's there's I think some young people now definitely be feeling that there is no one but there definitely is someone you just got to try and keep pushing and and find that person and once you find that person more people you start to find more people will start to kind of join that that circle of yours and um you'll start to really appreciate the people around you obviously mental health now is such a is such a big issue and thankfully people are starting to talk and open up when you had your um experience in in the system and, and coming up did you ever have any mental health struggles at the time um of course 
being in foster care at a young age is going to have a certain impact on you. As I said before, it was hard for me to kind of trust people. Um, but I think as my life progressed and I started getting more into football, um, there was a lot of people, whether that's people from the club, um, sports psychologists, uh, mentors and things like that, that I did um, kind of talk to, especially at my time at, at Bristol City. Um, there was times where I'd go to an external um, sports psychologist and things like that. And I feel like that really, really helped me and kind of get my head back on track, you could say, mm. um, and um, focus on things that I needed to focus on. Well, you certainly focused because you got 10 GCSEs, right? You went from youth team, obviously, to Bristol City, to Bournemouth. You've played in the Premier League. You're, you're really an inspiration for young people. I hope you're proud of yourself. I know you're only 22. You've probably still got so much to do in life. But you really should be so proud of what you've managed to do so far. No, thank you. Um, yeah, I think as my life goes on and things like that, I, I know I want to do more. But I think sometimes you've got to take a kind of step back and realise what you've, what you've come from. Um, and it's hard to hard to do that at the moment when it's you're living such a fast-paced life uh, things are happening all the time and you got things changing um 24 7 so um I have come a long way but I feel like there's a there's a there's a lot more to come definitely what is the dream now for you then the dream now for me obviously this season we want to get back into the Premier League um and me personally this season I want to just be consistent in my performances and um, and see where that takes me. Um, as I said, the Premier League is is definitely the first priority for everyone at the club. Um, and from there, I think it is a good kind of platform to build off. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully this season um, we'll do what, what we can to get there and push on from there. And um, just finally, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but Football players usually use their downtime to, you know, play video games and stuff like that, listen to music, always got their headphones on. But I hear that you like to read. Yeah, I do read a little bit, yeah. Um, I like that, I like that. Especially books on mindset and personal growth. Yeah, that's. I think that's, um, that's my favourite kind of go-to topic, really. I've read a few books recommended by even my trainer back in Bristol and various other people who read. I know, obviously, I speak to Joe Bryan. Um, he's a book addict, pretty much. Um, so, obviously, I played with him at, at Bristol City. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those books are, are quite um, like my cup of tea, really. When I have downtime, I tend to either go to a coffee shop or something and just spend an hour, even if it's just half an hour, an hour. It's still something to kind of, I think it kind of resets your mind and helps you go again. Look at your bucking those stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any recommendations for anyone who wants to kind of read a, read a book like that? I'm, I'm all into personal development as well. Right. Um, I do love a self-help book. So what would you recommend that I read? Um, I think my top three at the moment is The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I'm not too sure if you read that one. No. Um, and there's two books by Tim Grover 
Um, okay, he's the NBA relentless. guy, isn't he? Yeah, um, Relentless is his first one, and he just brought out his second one, which I'm reading at the moment, uh, called mm. Winning. And I'm enjoying that. I think Relentless, I think I took a lot from that book. Um, and at the moment, I'm enjoying the second one. So I'd say those three are my top three. Right, I'll get reading those then. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, thank you so much for joining the Integral Chat. It's been so brilliant to talk to you. Good luck with the rest That's of the right. season. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.